Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center for another fantastic show here at Hockey Night in New York. <laughs> Mr. Arthur Staple of The Athletic is back covering the Islanders. He's going to be joining us a little bit later. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how are you? I think I have to say I'm doing fantastic, Sean. <laughs> Yeah, the route we gotta go. I'm, no. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Fantastic's the word of the month. I think. Word of the right? month. Word of the year, yeah. perhaps. But uh, glad to hear you're doing well. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey Night New York here at Twitch.tv/HockeyNightNY. And of course, before we dive into the main stuff here, we want to thank our wonderful sponsors, starting with the great Blue Line Deli and Bagel. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, and of course 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu. Order ahead at BlueLineDeli.com. Also, for the season opener on Saturday, stop into the Huntington location between 5 a.m. and 4 p.m. for a chance at free bagels, free bagel giveaways, uh, kids' T-shirts, potentially Islanders tickets, and more. So get your asses to Blue Line Deli and Bagels in Huntington, and you might get go home with some nice prizes and, of course, some fantastic food. Fantastic. And also, yeah, fantastic. And also, we are proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And, of course, a big thanks to our new sponsor, Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law, New York's premier trial lawyers, ready to fight for you. Check them out at RazorandKniff.com, R-A-I-S-E-R and Kniff, K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com. And, of course, a big thanks to Floored Media here in Rockville Center. So, Stefan, preseason is over. Uh, everybody can exhale, <laughs> including the Islanders. And somehow after this, they have a um, basically a week off, which is kind of uncommon after preseason. Yeah. So not sure how that ended up happening for the Islanders, but here we are. So we can run through this real quickly. Obviously, not the most successful week, but it doesn't really matter because it doesn't count. But they drop a 6-5 loss in New Jersey on Monday, 5-2 loss to Philadelphia in Philly on Thursday, Friday a 3-0 loss versus the Devils at UBS Arena. Uh, does it matter? Uh, the results? No. Okay. But I think with preseason hockey, you're playing the game within the game. For example, mm-hmm. if you lose, it's all right. But if the Islanders wanted to focus <laughs> on the power play, and the power play does well, but they lose the game, okay, you focus on the power play. Sure. Or 5-on-5 five five game was good, but special teams shorthanded, didn't go well. So you play the game within the game. Unfortunately for the Islanders, nothing really went well in those games. I mean, yeah, you score five goals. That's probably good enough to win games, especially when, you know, Sorokin's in goal and he's on his game and he's mm-hmm. not worrying about having to make these ridiculous saves. Like, he's not going to do that in preseason. He's not going to hurt himself. Right. So I think you play the game within the game. Unfortunately, I feel like the Islanders failed themselves with that. And we we did make an argument in the last show or two saying there are reasons why these games do matter, but not so much the result. Like you said, it's more just to kind of work the kinks out so that the coaching staff can figure out what lineups he's going to go with, see who works with who. But at the end of the day, you know, 
they're not really inspiring confidence heading into the regular season for any fans that were watching these games where, you know, it would have been nice, especially you look at like that last game, right, where the Islanders pretty much put out close to their NHL squad against the Devils, the Devils team <laughs> that pretty much didn't do that. Yeah. And they, they not only did they lose the game, they got shut out. And, you know, after the, the game previous against the Flyers, you say, oh, well, the Islanders put out an AHL squad and the Flyers put out their NHL squad. So no big deal. They lost. But then you, you flip the script and they still lose either way. But again, like, you know, I, I, I've said this to like, I remember back in the 90s, right, the mid 90s, you know, like the Palfi squads and stuff. Right. And, and maybe even later on, like, you know, when the Islanders were like, still trying to get into the playoffs in like the early uh the 2010s or whatever you know with like michael grabner and stuff yeah. like that in the team and they'd go like four and one in the preseason you'd be like all right they're looking pretty good right but then the season would happen teams would actually show up and play a real hockey game and you know they end up missing the playoffs and all that so like i would just say anybody who may or may not be concerned about the results of these preseason games yeah sure you know maybe keep in the back of your mind like okay they could have made me feel a little bit better about how things went but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter until game one starts, and that starts on Saturday. I think Friday, if you're looking at the worst losses, I think it's Friday, and we spoke to Nelson before the game, and, and Brock said, you know, we want to have a good game tonight because this is our film. This is our full NHL lineup. This is our film. We have to sit with this. We want to have good film on our power play, our 5-on-5 mm, play, right. all that stuff. That way, when we prepare for Buffalo, we have good film to work off of. So that's why I said it was important. Unfortunately, after the game, I brought that up again. I was like, you know, how much does it impact you? And he goes, yeah, this this isn't good because it's not <laughs> right. good film. You know, you pretty much look and say, okay, everything we did tonight, let's not do that. You know, essentially that's right. what you have. So I think if you're looking at why certain losses matter, it's the last one because now you have a whole week where it's pretty much practice film you're going to have to work with because the, the game was just pretty bad on their part in all, in all aspects. Do you have any takeaways from watching these games, either on the positive or the negative side, just maybe some habits you're looking at, like, oh, they might want to you know fix that before the game start, or, or hey, that looked good, the PK, the power, whatever it is, but is there anything you might have noted you know, looking at these games and being like, this is something to keep an eye on as the season begins? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with goaltending again. I'm a goalie, so I've watched them a lot, but mm. Varlamov... In a couple of these games, struggled to catch pucks. Now, yeah, so you mentioned. Now that it on could Twitter, be yeah. as something as breaking in a glove. Could be that, but it <laughs> sure. seemed you know it was his we'll first his first game of the preseason. He had that issue, but that's that's rust. And again, mm-hmm. he didn't play in the playoffs at all, and barely played down the stretch. We get off much longer than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then in his last preseason game, um, and against the Flyers, you saw the same issue. And then you're wondering, okay, just something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. The other thing too is communication in their own zone a lot of backdoor plays wide open mm. for the opponents. And okay. again, Yonders, sure, they're going to rely heavily on Sorokin, and their offense is going to have to be much better. But, you know, defense is still the bread and butter of this team, and your, their defensive structure has to be a lot stronger. And again, those backdoor plays, mm. it's just about communicating who's taking that guy. So yeah, that, that's Positioning huge. is important, and that's, you know, something you'd like to think you're going to see in, in preseason hockey. But again, like these guys... They're kind of play, playing to shake the rust off. Now, yeah. you have some of the younger guys that are playing for spots, and those guys are going to be busting their tails. And maybe some of the guys who don't necessarily have a guaranteed spot in the starting lineup might be saying, okay, I better you know show well here you know, just to, to make sure Lane is, is still has me penciled yeah. into that to that role, whatever it is, right? But but for the most part, you guys, guys got guys out there shaking off rust, just kind of getting their game legs ready for for game one and, and you know I'm I'm, tr- I'm not trying to start the excuse train here heading into the season but 
you know, it's just you got to take a lot of these games with a with a grain of salt, and you know, like they're they're not going into the corners a hundred percent head first. You know, like there's hits, there's heading and stuff like that, and and there's physical play, of course. But I don't think you're going to really see what this team is made of and, until the puck drops on Saturday. Yeah, and again, going back to preseason doesn't count. I mean, you have two examples of how much preseason does count for the Islanders. One, Palmieri got into a game. Yeah, right? that, we didn't think that was. We didn't happen. think that was going to happen. Yeah. That kind of changes everything in mm. terms of your lineup outlook. And again, going back to Oliver Wallstrom. Guy, you know, ACL injury in late December, mm-hmm. doesn't get back, skated this summer. Pretty much those games were his only taste of hockey since then. And you saw that he quite wasn't up to speed just yet. Who knows what that means for him on opening night. But that's why preseason matters. Guys like right. that get into games that if there was no preseason, you're going right into a season coming off injury. So that's, again, another reason why preseason is important. Yeah, and let's focus on him a little bit because I know we want to talk about the lineup in depth a little bit more, but we're going to be breaking for Arthur soon. But let's talk about Wallstrom here. Yeah. I mean, obviously he was out for a long time. He's he's He had to rehab the knee. He had to, and he, you know, said a lot of great things about the process and, and where his mindset is, which is which is great. You want to hear that. Yeah. But the question is how long is it going to take for him to catch up? And I think what it looks like so far is he hasn't yet, and he's still kind of trying to find a place. And obviously... Everybody around the team, fans included, are looking at this guy and hoping that he's finally going to get it together and he's finally going to be a guy that they can rely on to score goals five on five and on the power play and just kind of finally carve a regular niche in an important role in this team. And that's what we're waiting for. And I think the question now is, and when we start talking more about the lineup, that it'll, it'll come into play, but... You know, where is he at right now? Like, how close is he, and, and what does he have to worry about as far as maybe some of the players he's, he's competing with? Yeah, and that's, that's the other thing for Wallstrom is he didn't really stand out in preseason play while others fighting for spots did. Mm. Again, they're, they're teammates. They want to see everyone do well, but Godier proved to Lambert that he has no reason to not be in the starting lineup. A guy like Fashing, too, before his injury that he's dealing with, did the same thing. So you look, and Lambert's got to do what's best for the team. If Wallstrom's not 100%, which, mm. again, Physically, he might be 100%, but that injury, I mean, that's usually a year until someone's back to normal, you know, a regular non-athlete guy. Now you're talking about a guy who's only eight months or whatever in. It's going to take a couple of months. It took Anders Lee. I mean, he played, but it took Anders mm. Lee a couple of months until he looked like himself. And unfortunately for the Islanders, how tough this division is, how tough the conference is, you can't have somebody out there that's not 100% full game-wise when there's guys that are that could benefit the team more. Well, that's the tough thing that, yeah. that Lane is going to have to gauge here, right? Because I think we all kind of know that Wally has the most upside as far yeah, as a guy sure. who's going to be able to contribute offensively. When you look at guys he might be squaring off with in the Holmstroms, the Gauthiers, and, and you know, th- throughout the lineup there, and f- in the fashions of the world maybe, right? So I guess the question is, how long is Lane willing to wait for Wally to get to that point. And is he even at the point where he gets into the lineup on day one, right? And then if he is, how long is Lane willing to wait until he finds a stride? And that's like the balance, and that's kind of what's working against Wallstrom is where he needs he needs the time to catch up and get back to NHL speed. But at the same time, if it takes him too long, you got, you got guys chomping at the bit to take that spot away from him. And I guess that's the positive here is that the Islanders did make depth signings. For example, if Wallstrom wasn't ready, mm-hmm. right? Are they going to an AHL prospect who's not ready? And then you have the whole issue of him getting into games, but he has to get acclimated to NHL speed, things like that. So the Islanders do have, again, the guys like Godier, Holmstrom, who's played, Fashings, in case Wallstrom isn't ready. But I think this is a huge week for Wallstrom. You have a whole five days, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the issue with Wallstrom right now is catching up to NHL speed. The only way you could do that is by playing games. 
So the question is, you're out of preseason games. So the question right. is, like you said, does Lambert allow Wallstrom five, six, seven games to prove that he can get there? Mm-hmm. Or does he say, listen, you know, we're going to have someone else play for you. Keep practicing, keep practicing. Because again, he can't go down to Bridgeport and get conditioning stints because he's not waiver exempt. And that's where that kind of stuff play, falls into place where, you know, you want him to get games and the AHL is probably the best place for him to keep playing if he's not going to start. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to risk sending him down. Yeah, there's some tough choices for Lane to make. We're going to get into those later, but we got a break now because Arthur Staple from The Athletic is going to join us. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. We will be right back. If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at BlueLineDeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us, returning to covering the New York Islanders, Mr. Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Arthur, welcome back. Uh, Didn't know you were coming back, but here you are. Thanks for coming on. How you doing? (laughs) Good. Uh, I didn't know I was coming back either, but this is the way things go sometimes. So uh, Kevin Kurz went back to Philly. his hometown. I'm sure he's happy to be there. He was happy to do the Islanders for a couple of years. And here we are back again. It's nice to be back. So as far as we know, is this going to be a full season thing, splitting time with the Rangers, or is it kind of like a TBD? We'll see what happens. Uh, we're all day to day around here. So uh, <laughs> right. we'll see how it goes. It's been fun to be back in the room a couple of days so far. Uh, thanks to Lou Lamarillo, the, the, a lot of the faces are very familiar, even after a couple of years away. So he's helped me out with that. And uh, just, you know, different environment than being with the Rangers. And uh, it's nice to be able to straddle line and do both. I hope the fans aren't too upset, but uh, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to keep keep a toe, a dip a toe in both waters. So yes. it's not too bad. Well, Kevin did a great job and it's great to have you back as well. So welcome back to the island, so to speak. Uh, so let's dive into it. Uh, the first question I want to ask you uh, from what you've been able to to see of the Islanders, I guess, through camp and preseason since you came back is maybe something that you can tell us that maybe the Islander fans can be optimistic about and uh, feeling good about going into the season and maybe something they should be a little concerned about. You know, I think the chemistry between Bo Horvat and, and Matthew Barzell is probably top line. You know, if there's an area that a team that stayed is as as similar to last season as it did as the Islanders that that they need to improve obviously it's offensively it's on the power play uh it's being able to generate chances so I think those two developing some chemistry um seeing Barzal the way that he you know was was kind of hounding pucks by the blue line feeling maybe a little bit freer to to kind of act with a very consistent player at the in the middle in Horvat um take a few more chances maybe without uh, wondering if he's going to, you know, have a guy to pass the puck to just be a little bit more north south, 
go towards the net, not worry about having to play the middle of the ice uh, all the time. I, I think that's going to help them. You know, I, I think the search for a, a third member of that line is still ongoing, but um, that's probably something I think you'd, you'd feel the most optimistic about. And if you're an area of concern, you know, I'd have to think it's, it's how Oliver Wallstrom looks. Um, you know, it just doesn't seem to be right, whether it's he, st- he doesn't trust the knee yet. Uh, it doesn't seem like himself. It just feels like we're kind of getting to the end of the options with him. Um, you know, I don't know that there's anything really to be gotten in terms of a trade or if, the, you know, it, it ends up almost, uh, you know, you don't, you can't, you can't picture like a Kiefer Bellows type situation where he ends up on waivers or, right. or being claimed or just kind of disappearing for nothing. Um, but uh, he's sort of heading in the direction of being a guy who's not in the lineup every night, and uh, that's not going to make him a better player. So it's it's a little tough to watch right now. Hey, Arthur, thanks for joining us. Just want to ask you again, you did a story about Barzal, about playing the wing. What is your sense on his confidence level, you know, switching positions? <laughs> uh, I never get a sense that his confidence level is anything but sky high, no matter what he's doing. So uh, that part hasn't changed in a couple of years of, of not being in the room consistently. He just... Um, He's a guy who who has incredible faith in his abilities. You know, I think maybe the focus on being a guy who makes highlight reel passes uh, has maybe diminished his game a little bit over the years. Uh, you know, operating an offense that's not that doesn't really encourage creativity. You know, they they really had to get back to basics when Barry Trotz came in, and it really, you know, it became their calling card of of being a team that could beat you two one or three two and and. You know, it doesn't really reward the, the highlight reel viral video type stuff that that he could excel in. Um, and he certainly bought in. And, I, you know, I think he always says the right things about wanting to win versus wanting to produce a ton of points and, and be, you know, a little bit less responsible up and down the ice. And I think this switch in terms of his confidence may restore some of that creativity within a structure that, uh, you know, there's not as many responsibilities on the wing. He can still be free to play the middle of the ice. I think it's how they read off each other, him and Horvat. And if Horvat is going to sa- be the guy to sacrifice some points to see that Barzal can can be as creative as possible or, or get up the ice and then kind of have chance after chance, I'm sh- it, Horvat seems like the kind of guy who would do that. So, you know, I think that's – it may not end up sacrificing a ton of points. I don't think they're going to score. You know, they're not going to be dry side on McDavid level. But uh, but I think Barzal's confidence is always pretty high, and I think he's going to be rewarded as a result this season. Yeah, for sure. That duo is definitely going to have a big magnifying glass on them <laughs> this season. That's for sure. I want to pivot to the defense a little bit here. It looks like Lane is going to split up that top pair of Pollock and Pellick, and they're going to kind of do uh, – a grizzled veteran with a with a younger guy. Uh, what benefit do you think that could bring the team? Do you think that's the right decision for this team? You know, I think they're they're. You certainly have the luxury of going back to those two guys right. if you need to late in a game, late in a period, whatever. It's it's almost like uh, you know, like a Crosby Malkin type situation where you've got two guys that you know work well together can kind of play that shutdown role um, when they need to have a lot of kind of the other two players have a lot of confidence in them when they're out there together. So, but you really need to see some development uh, at the defensive end from Noah Dobson and from Alexander Romanov. So I, I you know, I think it's the right move to start. Um, it, it's really predicated on seeing Ron Pollock have a bit of a bounce back and be more of a commanding top pair, a guy who controls a bit more of the play as opposed to a guy who's maybe reacting a little bit to his, to his better partner as he did you know, maybe got lulled into that with Pellick when they were together over the last couple of years and they maybe mm-hmm. diminished a little bit. Um, 
but you know, I think at least through the the preseason, I think you've seen some good things from Romanov. You know, his, his decision making seems to be a little bit better, not going out of his way to make plays or hits or anything like that. And as far as Dobson's concerned, you know, the guy is, uh, you know, he could be a 55, 60 point guy. The power play can be a little bit improved, but really the the area for this team and what it excels at is he needs to be a lot better in his own end. And uh, and playing with Pelic is going to make you better in your own end, you'd think. So, um, you know, he's still a young guy. He's he's highly touted. He's someone that they need to produce at both ends of the ice and, and be consistent. He's going to get more minutes playing with Pelic, and and you got to start somewhere. So uh, I, I think it makes sense. And I think having Scott Mayfield kind of be the dedicated anchor in the number five spot makes sense too, because you don't want him stretching himself. Uh, you know, he's getting a little bit older now. And mm-hmm. um, I think you want him to be that kind of steady number five, whether it's Ajo, whether it's Bolduc. Um, so I think they've got people in the right spots, you know, an injury or some poor play can obviously change that within a week or two, but, uh, but at least to start, I think they're doing the right thing. You mentioned Dobson and about his, how he has to be better defensively. Should there be concern with how he really hasn't taken strides on the defensive side of the puck? Because again, we saw Romanov in the second half last year, take exponential strides in this system. And Dobson still seems to make those same mistakes in his own zone year after year. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's an interesting situation for him. You, you know, it's technically what is it, year five for yeah. him? Uh, you know, it's really year four. He never, he just barely played that first year, and and uh, you know, I I think as far as the system goes, you know, it, you're not you always want your defenseman up the ice, and he's really the best guy they have at, at getting up and down the ice. Um, but yeah, you, you you obviously want to see better decisions. It's you know it's it's a calling card of the of the modern NHL defense when you have to you have to make the right reads, especially if you're a guy who relies on your skating and tries to be the fourth guy in the rush. You can't you can't just be making poor you know bad coverages or you know going behind the net when you need to be out front. Um, you know, and I and like I said, I you know I think pairing him with Pellet consistently is is probably going to help there at least till it's kind of on the job training. You've got a guy who, who, you know, one of the probably 10 best decision-making defensemen in the league in Pellick, uh, in terms of playing his own end. Um, so you'd hope that it would rub off. You'd hope that, uh, after, after all these years and maybe a, a consistent pairing of playing 20 to 21 minutes a night, uh, that it's going to work out and it needs to work out because Dobson can't really take that next step. You could be a 55, 60 point guy. And, and if you're not the guy that is going to go out there and, you know, the first shift of overtime in the playoffs or whatever, then it's not really, you're not really considered an elite defenseman. So, uh, you know, this, this year, next year, those are, those are important times for Dobson. Uh, I'm curious to see how, how he's learned. Um, he certainly doesn't, you know, isn't physically imposing. He's not like putting on a ton of weight or anything to kind of be able to throw himself around or, or shove people out of the way in the defensive zone. So obviously it's going to have to be read. It's going to have to be decisions and, uh, sometimes that can improve, you know, defensemen need a little bit longer. He, he's up to about three, 350 games. That seems like long enough, I think, to, to be a smarter defenseman. And, uh, and I think these first couple of months will tell us a lot about where he's at. Yeah, no question. And just to bump back to the forwards for a little bit here, I guess the, the few question marks we have with the lineup is 
who's ultimately going to take that top left wing spot next to Horvat and Barzell. Looks like Holmstrom is is given every every chance to to have it. We'll see if he he has it on on Saturday. And then you look at the wingers for JG Pajot. It seems like Andrews Lee is going to get that left side spot. Maybe still a little question on who's on the right. Whether that's Wallstrom, who we talked about before, maybe Gautier, maybe Hudson Fashing. Although he potentially is on the men right now. Uh, do you have any thoughts on you know maybe where that ends ultimately ends up shaking out and, and the look that Lane might be looking for? It is funny to think, uh, you know, for the Islander fans that go back as far as uh, some of us do covering them, when you think back to the the days of, of Jack Capuano putting Corey Conacher up there with John Tavares and, uh, and Kyle Opozo yeah. to start a season, or yeah. Matt Molson and Tavares, and, and then kind of the mystery guy on the other side. It's mm. uh, it, it certainly, I'm sure Islander fans don't want to talk about those dark days, but <laughs> it does harken back a little bit where if you've got two guys that obviously know what they're doing and know each other inside and out. And then the third guy maybe isn't quite as important to make them succeed. Although those, none of those guys really lasted very long uh, in that top spot. I, you know, I, they want Holmstrom to learn. They have a lot invested in him. I, I'm not so sure I see him as a top six guy going mm-hmm. forward in his NHL career. Right. Um, but I think it's sort of the best bad option they have. Wallstrom hasn't really earned a spot there. And I don't know how well he'd mesh with those two guys. You've got Anders Lee kind of in the bullpen waiting. Uh, he's done that before. He can mm-hmm. probably fill in pretty pretty easily. Um, but I think it's Holmstrom right now. You know, you'd like to think that if it didn't work out, they'd have enough cap space or you know, the, kind of the endless search for a top line wing that they've you know, it seems like either every in season or off season for the last fifteen years they've been trying to find a a solid guy to put with two of their top guys. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I think just the way the other lines slot, you've got a second line that you like in Engvall, Nelson and Palmieri and fourth line is what it is. Um, and you got Pajot and whoever on his wings, uh, he can kind of, uh, you know, he can adapt to whoever, um, you know, I think it's not a bad bet to try Holmstrom for a couple of weeks and see what he can do. Um, you know, he's really got to become more of a shooter and, and have that mentality of you've got, the two most elite guys on the team in terms of, you know, scoring ability and creativity on your, you know, playing on your line, you probably need to be able to bury a few chances. So, uh, you know, he's getting an opportunity that doesn't mean he's going to be there the whole time, but, uh, but it's sort of a default setting for right now, I would think. Okay. Well, let's, uh, before we let you go, we're talking to Arthur Staple from the athletic, by the way, uh, let's get into prediction prediction land a little bit here. Uh, outside of Sorokin, who I think is obviously going to probably be the, the biggest factor in this for the New York Islanders. Who will be the biggest reason the Islanders make or miss the playoffs this season? <laughs> you know, for a team that operates so collectively, I'm going to cop out and just say uh, it's going to be it's going to be uh, their special teams. I think the power okay. play is going to be improved enough that uh, it won't be an embarrassment. You know, if they get up to in the teens, maybe not, I mean, not even in the top half, but just you know, three or four percentage points you know, that's probably five or six points in the standings. And that's enough. That's the difference between missing and making it really. So uh, I think if you see that and even the PK, which has been an elite unit top 10, the last three years, if they can even get up to 83, 84% and be lights out with a guy with a goalie who, you know, I think is one of the two best goalies in the league right now. um, You know, I think that makes the difference. Uh, It, it it makes sense to me in my mind that a collective effort is going to be what gets them in because, uh, you know, it's it's one of the two or three teams in the league that is that is even though it has some star players on it, it is devoid of of the you know they don't operate as a star system basically, and they don't rely on their stars other than the guy in net. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, you can try to change some of the personnel and I think they'll, they'll have some better offensive seasons. I could see Barzal posting a 70 point year, maybe a career high in goals Horvat in the sixties, you know, Noah Dobson, maybe he could get to 60 points. I think an Islander, I was just looking it up. Uh, Dennis Potvin was the last Islander defenseman to have 60 points in a year. So <laughs> a it's been a while, while. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's, it's going to be a collective effort. And, you know, if they're, if they're in the hunt for a playoff spot, they'll, they'll probably be on the bubble. I don't really see any big trades or big moves barring any injuries. And they're an older group, especially up front. So there could be an injury or two. Um, but I think this is the group and these are the guys that I think they've decided are going to try to take them where they need to go. Or, or if they don't make it, they don't really have a lot of flexibility because a lot of these guys are signed for a while. So, um, you know, that, that kind of pressure, even with guys signed for a long time becomes to me greater because you can't make a lot of changes without doing anything drastic. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be special teams and goaltending pretty boring coach type type speak, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. All right. So with all that in mind, do they get into the playoffs or not? Where do they place in the Metro? And if they do get into the playoffs, how far can they go? Uh, go. well, I'm just working <laughs> on some predictions now. Um, I think I have them fifth. I have them in okay. uh, just barely. I think okay. I, I kind of feel like the Atlantic this year is going to be a little more lopsided than people think. Uh, you know, I, Tampa and Boston to me are really going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the Islanders get in as the fifth team, second wild card. And to me, that means they're playing the first place team in the Atlantic, which is the Leafs, which would be, oh. uh, you know, <laughs> wow. to me, 2002 for those Islander fans that go back that far was one of the wildest playoff series. It was the first playoff series, hockey playoff series I ever covered as an NHL writer. Uh, and it was completely bonkers. This will be bonkers for different reasons. Obviously <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. think it's going to be as messy and, and physical as that one was 20, 22 years ago, but this one will be bizarre. Um, I don't see the Islanders winning it. I think the Leafs are in a pretty good position right now. And I think they're going to get a lot of confidence from being a dominant team in that division, but uh, outside of an Islander Ranger first round, I think that would be the one that that a lot of people would would look forward to the most, just to just to for the vitriol for for John Tavares at UBS in a playoff series would be pretty bonkers, and uh, you know I for one would look forward to it. I don't think they would win it, but I would still be looking forward to it. Well, you can sign me up for that. But uh, Arthur, great to have you back covering the Islanders. Uh, welcome back, and uh, thanks so much for your time tonight. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You got it, guys. Good to be back anytime. All right, Arthur, take thanks, care. Arthur. That was Arthur Staple of The Athletic back covering the Islanders. Double duty for The Athletic, the Islanders and the Rangers. That's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Everybody knows his stuff, so it doesn't matter. He, he certainly great, does. It's like he's been content. covering the team for Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, what was he was with Newsday covering them. He was covering the, uh, on The Athletic for a while. And he so. made a really good point. Since he's not covering the team, the team's pretty much stayed the same. So it's not like you got to learn new faces <laughs> right. and things like that. You go into the room. Right. All the numbers are the yeah. same for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> Locker room's sure. the same, you know. Yes, but uh, nice to have him back, and uh, best of luck to Kevin Curtis covering the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes. So so there we have it. I do want to dive into the lineups, but before we do, I want to take one more break. And before we do that, I want to tell everybody about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups? 
steps to join our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game. So with that, we're going to take a break. I want to thank you all for tuning in here to Hockey Night New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. We will return. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to FloredMedia.com for more information and email contact at FloredMedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. A nice break. Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders therapy on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY or your favorite podcast providers. And now, Stefan, we're going to get into the lineup slash cap concerns because as of this moment, the Islanders are still over the salary cap. And they obviously need to come under before they can start playing hockey on Saturday. So what's what's up with that, Stefan? Where what's gonna happen? Yeah, so in order to be <laughs> compliant by tomorrow's five PM Monday's five PM deadline, the mm. Islanders had a couple options. The biggest and probably the one that people thought was most likely was waiving Ross Johnston and his one point one million. Mm. Whether he gets claimed or goes into the minors, that contract gets buried. Not only would that give the Islanders twenty three players on their roster, which is the max. It would also get them under the cap. Right now, they are $574,958 over the cap. The other option was sending Simon Holmstrom down and his $863,000 and change, which would, again, get them under the cap. Mm-hmm. Now, there's things that could happen now from now until Saturday. Johnson wasn't waived today. He cannot be waived tomorrow because it takes 24 right. hours. But what can happen, again, this is mm-hmm. getting into all the paperwork stuff. Mm-hmm. The Islanders could send Holmstrom down after practice tomorrow. Waiver exempt, no issue there. Get compliant by the deadline. Season starts Tuesday. They could then waive Johnston later in the week and be compliant and ready to go by Saturday. But or, we have one, or just keep Holmstrom in Bridgeport. Or, oh yeah, exactly. Or they could keep or yeah. they could go a twenty two man roster, which you're seeing a lot of teams do because that's mm. more cap that you could accrue heading into the deadline and things like that. So a lot of math and stuff that is way over my head, but there's things that can be done. Except, again, the biggest thing was Johnson saves the Islanders more money if he gets waived or sent down, and we know how much cap space is important. Yeah, and this is this is a, a hot topic yes. among Islander fans. One, I don't think there's any chance to go with a 22-man roster. That is not happening. They like to have their extra bodies there, and, and Ross Johnson being one of them is, yeah. is a guy that they've liked to have there for a very long time. And, and as you noted, and as I'm sure a lot of people are sitting here listening right now and saying, yeah, what the hell is going on with that guy? And I get it, and, and I talked a little bit about uh, this on Twitter a little bit with my buddy Ryan. He had some passionate things to say about it. But 
listen, I, I know, I get it from the outside looking in that everybody's like, Johnston barely plays. When he does, he plays a very limited role. He gets out there for maybe four to five minutes, polices the ice a little bit. Maybe he gets into a scrap. And yet, year after year, he's still here taking on, taking that $1.1 million in cap, where this is probably maybe the first time where it's really we've hit a point where it's like, oh, we might actually have to move this. The Islanders may actually have yeah. to move this money so that they can have the most ideal squad possible up in that 23-man roster, right? This may finally be the time where you look at Ross Johnson and be like, hey, good soldier, you've been here, we like you being here, but that 1.1 mil now is just actually causing a bit of an issue because we have player A and player B that we want sticking around. And that ultimately could end up happening. But as we've also seen, this man has been immune to moving up and down the roster <laughs> or, you know, the system, yeah. ever since he's came in. And there's obviously a reason for that. And and there may be plenty of you out there that are sitting there like, I don't care what the reason is, I'm not going to agree with it. And that's all well and good. And that could be because, simply because they just want a guy for, you know, police insurance, right? If, if they're playing a certain team, they want to be able to have him there to get in the lineup to kind of put the fear of God into some players there, just to make sure that nobody's taking liberties on their players. Maybe that's the reason. Another reason is he might just be a great damn guy in the locker room. He's probably both, honestly. And, you know, you know, you're probably you might be sitting there saying, "Okay, well, what the hell what the hell is that worth?" But the thing is is it's worth a lot. It's worth a lot. There's locker room dynamics. There's reasons why Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck are still on this team. Yeah. And, not, and that's not even me saying they're they're done and they're toast and they can't play anymore, but those are two huge guys. There's a reason why Cal Clutterbuck's been wearing an A now for a little while because, yes, what we're seeing is, is happening on the ice, and that is ultimately the most important thing, how they perform, you know, whether they're putting goals in the net and whether they're winning hockey games. Absolutely no question about it. But there's a whole element outside of that that we're not privy to, the viewer, right? Stefan has a little bit more of a view into that than we do, and then you have the coaching staff, you have the management staff, and they have very specific reasons why they keep these guys there. And you might still be saying, well, I don't buy it or I don't care. But there's a reason why certain players, even looking back at like Leo Komarov, right? Like how, yeah. how long were, were fans saying Komarov's got to go? What's he doing here? But he's another guy that they felt was valuable enough to be in that locker room, whether he was playing five minutes, 15 minutes, or whatever the case may be. And I think this is another case of that where Ross Johnson helps keep the glue of this team together. Now, is he as important as Matt Barzell or Ilya Sorokin? Clearly he's not because I think, what, he played 16 games yeah. last season or whatever it is. But there's certain guys that help keep the mentality of a, of a locker room in place and where it needs to be because it's not just how you're playing on the ice, but it's also mental too. And I know I'm getting into this whole like psychological aspect of the game. Well, you but you make a great point. But it's important and it's a real thing. Now, it's, it's up to Lane Lambert and, and Lou Lamarillo to decide how much that's going to factor in when it comes to a guy like Ross Johnson and if he belongs or if it's worth bumping somebody else off the squad to keep him there. We're going to find out within this week whether that happens or not. But I'm just trying to give a little benefit of the doubt to those guys and maybe just a little peek into why they may or may not be keeping a guy like him around. Because I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. But Lou Lamarillo and, and, and even Barry Trotz before Lane, because he's a guy who kept Johnson around too, yeah. there's a reason why those guys wanted him to stick around. We don't know exactly what that is, but they have their reasons. And I think you know all of those guys, particularly Lou and Barry, have built up enough clout in the NHL to be given the benefit of the doubt as to why they're keeping a guy like that around. So now to to wrap up my rant on Ross Johnson, you sure, you ready? And why, and why he's still here? I think you know. I think the easiest thing for them to do, as far as this cap compliance thing goes, is to just 
send Holmstrom down and then see what happens with and within this week. Maybe a guy tweaks something, you know, during this week of practicing that they're doing right. And and maybe there's a there's a way to do an IR thing where a guy ends up on IR and and maybe there's another way to open up salary cap space. I'm very curious to see where this all goes. Um, but ultimately, for me, the easiest thing is, especially now that we're past that that waiver point. Yeah. Like, it's probably just going to be Holmstrom, at least for now, being sent down. No, I agree. And I think, again, going back to the Johnson point, I am in the room. Again, I'm not going out and partying with these guys to really know exactly yeah. what's happening. But he You're is not be- there for the meetings. You know, yeah, yeah like he is beloved stuff. in that room. I mean, everybody loves him. And you have to remember, too, is the extra skaters hold a tremendous amount of value. They're on the ice later with the goalies working on the, with the backups, doing mm. extra drills. I think, too, if they do waive Johnston, he has so much value in the organization because the Islanders' prospect pool now, there's a lot of young guys that are you know trying to make a name for themselves in Bridgeport and, and need protection. You know, The Islanders' Bridgeport team lost a couple of veterans this summer. We had Chris Terry on. You know, you're losing veteran mentorship and guys down there. So having Johnston down there, if he does get waived and does report, which I think mm-hmm. he would, yeah, that's a huge... I mean, Johnston and Fashing practice with the AHL squad a couple of days ago in, into the last couple of days of camp, and I asked a couple of the prospects, and mm-hmm. he said it was awesome having him out there. You could learn a lot from guys, even if they don't play. I mean, Johnson was in the press box a lot, obviously. So much value. Again, he's not a rookie. He's been around. He knows what it takes. Again, he doesn't have the, the skill to be a top six guy in this league or play every day, but tremendous value. Again, the players love him, and that's why, again, this group has stayed the same for so long. There's so much value with each guy in that room. Yeah, and I'm going to play devil's advocate with yeah. Holmes from here. I mean, Arthur just had some skepticism about yeah. him being on the top line, right? We've already expressed skepticism about Holmes from being on the top line. And if he doesn't slot in anywhere else, like let's say the only other spot he could possibly play is on Pajot's wing on the third line, yeah. right? Then, you know, is he going to, you know, get that spot over Hudson Fashing or Gautier? And is that going to be a good spot for him to be for the remainder of the season? Whereas... It may just make the most sense if Lane doesn't think that Holmstrom's going to work on the top line. It may just make more sense to send him down to Bridgeport, get him top line minutes down there, get his confidence up. You solve the cap issue, and yeah, then you can still have Ross Johnson as your twenty second, twenty third man. You probably have Gaultier as the other as the other extra guy, and and you figure the the rest of the lineup from there. And I guess we can jump into that now. But the the easiest solution for the cap for me, I think, is just Holmstrom going down, unless like he really. He really convinces Lane Lambert that he belongs in that spot where he is right now. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. My mindset is, if he is not your left wing, your first line left winger or right wing, whatever they do, I know mm. Barzal and Holmes from switch sides last game, then you have guys that play bottom six roles much better. And let him go down to Bridgeport where he got a taste. 50 games in the NHL. He got mm-hmm. a taste of what it yeah. takes to be here. Let him go down and earn it. Sure. You know, yep. All he's got to do, really, he, he plays the defense. He could skate. Just got to find a way to hit the net because if Barzal is setting you up left and right, does again you don't have to score. That, we talked about this numerous times. Rebounds, you know, you have big body Horvat, you have Barzal who's got the skill. If you don't hit the net, you don't have options for rebounds or anything like that. So hitting the net is the biggest thing. I talked to Kowalski about it during development camp, and he said that was the biggest issue for Holmstrom on the power play and, and five on five in Bridgeport is doesn't hit the net enough, and you need that if you're playing with guys that are going to set you up left and right. But I guess we get to the lineup, right? Yeah, so we know that the D is pretty much set. We yeah. know we have our seven. We know that they already cut, they already trimmed that out. There's no mystery left with what seven guys are going to be playing D for the Islands. I guess the real the real question is twofold: is is Aho hanging on to the bottom pairing, which it looks like he yeah. is at least to start? And are they going to stick with that splitting of Pelik and Pulak? Are they going to try Pelik with Dobson, and then they're going to try Romanov with with? Pollock, I think that they are. It looks that way. I have no problem with that. Let's see where it goes. So the defense is pretty easy unless you have something else to add there. What I would add is I think the organization wanted to see Bolduc 
in his full second year coming up, really take the chance to be that sixth guy and run away with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Aho played so much better than Bolduc, but Bolduc just right. underwhelmed in preseason. Mm-hmm. He looked like what he looked like in the second half last year which and in the playoffs, great. which yeah. again, confidence is a big thing. He needs yep. reps. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, people may say, you know, you had Salo send Bolduc down, let Salo play up here, let Bolduc play every day. Bolduc's not waiver exempt. You run the risk of a yeah, second round no, pick and put on waivers. Yeah, Again, you, maybe if he goes down where everyone went down the other day, maybe mm-hmm. people don't pick him up, but right. that's, a, that's a risk the Islanders probably don't want to take. So he's going to be here. He's going to yep. be your seventh guy probably to start the year. Mm-hmm. And he's going to practice, and, and that's valuable too. But when he gets into a game, Lambert's got to have trust in him or that, that bottom pairing is not going to play a lot. Yeah, for sure. So we can move on to the forwards. And, yes. and we, we hinted at this before. It looks like the real question that that needs to be answered is where where do certain puzzle pieces fit in right like where is Hudson Fashion going to be assuming that he's healthy it looks like Paul Mary's back yeah. he's going to be in the lineup is he going to slot in on the second line where he was with with Nelson and and Pierre Engvall is Heng- Engvall going to be healthy because he was a little yeah. dinged up too right Fashion Engvall we're being told day-to-day maintenance mm-hmm. uh, we asked Lambert if he was worried about both of them he said not at all okay again we're not doctors we have no idea what even happened because maintenance doesn't tell us upper or, bu- or lower so the thought right now is that they will be ready when we'll keep you updated throughout the week if things change. Yeah, so I think it's just where some of these guys fit in. I think we're going to see Lee and Pajot together. Who's yeah. going to be the right winger, right? Is that yeah. going to be Fashion, Gautier, perhaps Holmstrom, perhaps Wallstrom? Uh, then the top line, is Holmstrom going to stick there on the, on the top there? Are they going to give Wallstrom a shot yet? Yeah, doesn't look like it. I don't think so. And, you know, do they maybe break up that line, second line from last year, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about. Uh, maybe pa- Paul Mary getting a shot up there. Maybe Engvall if he, he ends up being healthy. And, you know, the way I look at it, at least for who's going to be in the lineup uh, to start the the first game, as far as uh, you know, there or being in the press box, I think Godier is your extra forward. I do think Johnson will be the second extra forward, and then the 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 rest of it's going to play out like it's just a matter of who ends up where. I mean, there's still an issue just figuring out who's on the right wing of of Pajo and Lee, depending on fashing and depending on. Wallstrom, you know what I mean? And then who, who ends up at the top? So where do you see all that going? Yeah, so I'll start with my scratches. I disagree with you. Again, not saying you're wrong. Sure. I just, based on Lambert's quote the other day about Wallstrom saying that he needed to catch up to the pace, mm-hmm. not quite there yet. And when mm-hmm. he gets that opportunity to get in, we'll see where he's at. Mm-hmm. That hinted to me that he doesn't have a great week this week. He's going to be an, an extra. And again, I don't think that's a terrible thing. If there's guys that are 100% ready to go, right. you need yeah, to kind sure. of rely on that. So sure. I, I do think that Wallstrom's not going to start just for the okay. fact that they need him to be effective if he's out there. And if he's not going to be effective, again, strong starts are huge for this team, especially in this division. I'd rather see someone like a Godier who I thought really earned it. So Johnson and Wallstrom are my extras. Now, the way I you know, look at this is you don't want to break up the Engvall-Nelson-Palmieri um, line, but if they do have to send Wallstrom, uh, Holmstrom down, I, I do think that you need to see Palmieri up there. Again, we know Barzal could play left wing. You could put Palmieri on the right or the left. But I just think Palmieri does everything that Lambert wants. The other day, I asked Lambert, what are you looking for from that line? You don't need an elite guy. One, you don't have him. But two, you don't need an elite guy. And I think you need a big body that can skate, drive the net, win pucks in corners, and then when he gets the shot, hit the net and score. And I think Palmieri Mm -hmm. plays the defense, can skate. Mm -hmm. When healthy, he's crashing the net. Also, I think he has the best long-distance shot on the team. Mm -hmm. So I think he fits so perfect there. And again, you know, Nelson and Engvall, to me, are a duo that you shouldn't break up. If you're going to break up the other side, sure. But they've showed so much chemistry last year, of course, but in preseason, they've shown a ton. Mm. I think Godia in that line, two big guys on uh, Nelson's wings who have speed, who are yeah. smart, who could transition the puck, 
that line, just from a physical standpoint, how big these guys are, it's going to be so difficult to defend. I think that line could work really well. And again, Palmero being up there, I think it makes it more balanced rather than a Holmstrom who, again, if he doesn't hit the net, those are, those are key opportunities off the table. And you don't want to see Nelson's line have to be that line again. Because Brock, again, Horvath and Barzal should be able to produce on their own. You don't need that third guy to be the goal scorer. But when there are chances to be had, need the shots on end. I think Palmieri brings that the most. Looking at my third line, again, Wallstrom not being involved. I think it's Lee Pajon. I think it's Fashing. This was a guy last year who forced himself into the lineup. And then when people were healthy, remained in the lineup. And if he's ready to go, we saw that he's able to change his game based on who he plays with. We saw it in that preseason game with Nelson. He just... The offense, the the key plays in the offensive zone he made to Nelson, they looked great together. Mm -hmm. But again, if he's on the shutdown defense line with Lee and Pajot, he's very responsible in his own zone. He has the IQ, has the positioning. I think that line can flourish, and then you have your fourth line. And again, things may change based on how well the fourth line does or just health. But I think for fashion, the best place for him is on the third line with Pajot and Lee. Yeah, I think you got a pretty good lineup going there. I think uh, I'm probably being more hopeful than anything that yeah. Wallstrom gets into that opening night roster. And you want I, him to, right? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, yes, yeah. because if he's not eventually there, then there's a, there's an issue, right? Yeah. He's a guy that they kind of want and need to pan out. And But for all the reasons that you laid out and for what Arthur said earlier, there's probably a decent chance that Wallstrom sits on Saturday, yeah. assuming everybody's healthy, right? And, and maybe he needs a little more time. And, and maybe Lane's like, look, fashion, you know, he's ready to go. He's looked good in preseason, and he can bring me a little more of that defensive side of things. He can play the PK, all that. They're probably not putting Oliver Wallstrom on the PK, no. right? So he might just have a more defined role right now until they figure out what the hell Wallstrom is going to bring to the table. Uh, Gautier, sure, he could potentially work on that second line. I could see that happening. I mean, the thing is they have guys... That are, that are options that they can rotate, they can get looks with these Very guys, versatile. see what works. Yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't mean whatever we see on Saturday mean that means, A, that's that has to be what it's going to be going forward and it, that it's going to be because we know that it's not, whether it's injuries or whether somebody isn't pulling their weight, but they do have guys that can kind of utility throughout the lineup and you can kind of try to plug them in different spots and see how they work. But, I mean, we're, we're pretty close. We're, we're close to being on the same page here. I mean, you mentioned the versatility. I think when Zach Parisian, when he found out he wasn't coming back or maybe he's coming back in the future, mm-hmm. if it's like nobody replaced Parisian, right? Right. But I think you've seen with the Godier signing where he could play pretty much on any line and bring that IQ and you have Fashing, who you say could play in the PK. He's played in the net front of the power play. You kind of have players that, again, no one could replace exactly what Parise brings. He played everywhere, up and down the, the lineup, the work ethic. But having Fashing, Engvall, Godier, those three together could really be those versatile options for Lambert that maybe you didn't think you had when you lost Parise. I think the biggest question with Parise, aside from his work ethic, which we, we all love to highlight and note, yeah. is where's the 20 goals coming from? Yeah. That's 20 goals that are being removed from the lineup. And is it is it going to be goals by committee or is it going to be a guy who steps in here, whether it's Engvall or otherwise, and says, I'm going to be that 20 goal scorer now? And you look at, That's what we're waiting yeah, for. And you look at, again, Horvat's... I mean, he can't struggle as much as he did there. That should help mm-hmm. with the goal total. Barzal should have more goals than he's had. And again, the biggest question mark with Godier being in the lineup is the same thing with Holmstrom. When he gets the chance, can he score? Because that's the reason Godier has bounced around is because he's pretty much been Michael Grabner, where all speed gets those huge chances, breakaway chances mm-hmm. from the outside. He just struggles to find it. But this camp so far, Godier has not only hit the net, he's scored, and they've been lasers. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That's a huge confidence boost for him if he gets into the starting lineup. And if he could hit the net and score, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 goals, that's a plus. 
Well, ultimately, I think that this lineup on day one, game one, is a little better than what we saw day one, game one last year. Yeah. We'll see if they prove that on the score sheet. But I do think that there's some positives to look at as this team is heading into to game one against the Buffalo Sabres. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right. It's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. And a lot of rest between now and next weekend, a lot of practice, and only one game that is Saturday opening night, home opener as well, at the wonderful, the glorious UBS Arena, Saturday, October 14th. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop? It is a 7 p.m. puck drop. So playing a team that the Islanders are probably going to be neck and neck with for a playoff spot. I believe the Sabres are only two points behind them uh, when all was said and done last year, and everybody's expecting an improvement for them this season. So already kind of a big game if if you're looking ahead to April. (laughs) And if you want to look at this matchup specifically, last year the Islanders, specifically Hudson Fashing's knee, kind of ended the Sabres' chances of making the playoffs. If you remember, (laughs) that game against the Sabres was a game where the Sabres end up losing, and they missed the playoffs. So I think this is, again, you're looking at a small play, but Buffalo Sabres fans don't forget that. They've mentioned that. I've seen that over the summer when they announced what this game was going to be, the home opener and season opener. So, yeah, this Sabres team is so talented. Thompson, I mean, that guy is incredible. He's pretty good. And then you have just Kyle Oposo being the leader there still for another year. He's back. Yeah. And goaltending, we'll see what happens if, if Levi's in there, a young, mm-hmm. promising guy. I'm not sure if he's going to start. But this is a Sabres team that you're expecting to make this, the playoffs this year. And the Islanders, again, the Islanders can't take any team lightly. We saw them lose to Arizona twice last year. And those are points against the weaker teams that you can't give up. But if the Islanders want to finish ahead of the Buffalo, one, it's starting off strong. And two, it's beating teams like Buffalo to really give you the confidence that, okay, Maybe we didn't have the best preseason or we had a week off, but now's the time. No question. I think it would be very disappointing if the Islanders come out flat in that game. They get a week off. You get guys like Engvall and Fashing resting here for that week. You'd like to think they're ready to go if, if, if Lane has at least Fashing slotted into the lineup. And you're at home. You're in front of your home crowd. It's the season opener. It's going to be packed. There's going to be a lot of energy. The fans are going to be ready. You got to come out flying. You got to come out quick yeah. against that team and use that veteran experience that the Islanders have compared to the Buffalo Sabres and, and show them that the, the two points are theirs, you know? You mentioned it. They cannot come out flat. One, that was a huge issue last year. I remember I asked yeah. Lou at the first or the end of the year presser, and I said, you know, what do you guys do to fix that? And he pretty much said, if you have any answers, let me know. <laughs> um, but again, a week off, they're going to be antsy to get going. Yeah. And there's no, ex- you would think they're going to come out flying. I know we've said they should be coming out flying, right? That should never be an issue for yeah. an NHL team. But this is a team that's going to be waiting a while to prove that, hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're coming to the season as underdogs. Everyone knows that. They don't mind that. They actually relish that. But that first period, they, they maybe they lose that game, right? But they issue the reason they lose that game can't be because the first 10 minutes they allow three goals because they weren't ready to go. Yeah, and you brought up a good point. That was a big issue last season. That's something they definitely have to keep an eye on and, and improve upon. And do you happen to know if the Sabres have a game going into that? I should know. I do not know. I do not know. Yeah, I'm going to think they, they probably do, but that's just terrible on my part. I apologize. <laughs> Let's cut that. Jeez, part. dude. Can we, uh, can we cut that part? Uh, oh, yeah. no, we're going to highlight that part. That's going to be a clip. That's going to be week. a clip for... <laughs> oh, oh yeah. you guys got a computer? Look it up. <laughs> wow. They do. When do they play? And then they play Saturday? Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Knew, that I, makes sense. I, they would go I knew into that. MSG. I knew that, yeah. Jake, you can't go back on it. Yeah, Jake, now. you want to switch uh, seats here? Jake, the Yeah, snake. Jake filling in for Jay tonight on the board. Yeah, how you doing there, buddy? He's he's feeling good. He's feeling well, good. That's on top of that, then, if Buffalo loses that game, they're going to come out 
pretty pissed off to play the Islanders. Yeah. And if they do win that game, that's huge confidence on their part. So the Islanders will have their hands full for sure. There is no question about it. And, and that's it for what's on tap. A, a long break and then the season opener. So we're almost there, though. We are less than a week away from real Islander hockey. Are you excited? Ed's excited. Yeah, we're... Can you not see it on my face? I don't know. I'm not really convinced. We'll, we'll check in on that later. All right, so that's just for what's on tap. Why don't we get into the Hero of the Week? That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by none other than the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, half-price hero, which this week is to open the season, the Hockey Night in New York, featuring grilled chicken, buffalo sauce, mozzarella cheese, avocado in a sweet, delicious wrap. And we're, we're changing the formula formula a little bit here on the Hero of the Week. We're not looking at a hero from this past week because, quite frankly, there really weren't any. Saturday. But we're going to look ahead to this season and key on a guy who either will be or should be a hero for the Islanders if they are to have either the success or build on the success that they had last season. So, Stefan, I go to you first. Who is your hopeful hero <laughs> of the season? Yeah, I think it's Kyle Palmieri. Listen, okay. we know the first couple of years of his Islanders tenure didn't go as planned because he was hurt. And then he wasn't consistent. And the Islanders need him to be consistent. You look at the two head injuries last year. He comes back in the second half. Besides Nelson carrying the offense, Palmieri was critical and such a vital piece of that line when he comes back. And when mm-hmm. Engvall got there, I mean, that line carried them into the playoffs, essentially. And in the playoffs, Palmieri was tied with five points with Nelson for the team lead. And I think you look at what Palmieri brings. Goal scorer for sure. He's your, mm-hmm. you know, net front guy in the top power play unit, as it seems. It seems like Lee's going to be on that second unit. So, again, we talked about how important the power play is. We know how important that line's going to be. But people forget how good defensively Palmieri is. Yeah. And I think you talk about defensive structure. You talk about forwards getting back, which I think, I think was an issue last year in terms of the communication between the forwards and the D. And Palmieri, when healthy, can bring all of that. And it sounds like he's going to be ready for opening night. And again, for him, it's just staying on the ice because in the first half last year, he averaged 0.6 goals per game, 16 goals in 55 games. He comes back. The final 34 games, he had 10 goals, 0.71 points per game. I know that doesn't look like a lot on paper, but in the games, Palmieri being back is just another threat that the opposition has to deal with. And if he is playing with Nelson and Engvall, we just talked about it. Who is the defense going to have to guard? Nelson's got a lethal shot. Mm-hmm. Engvall can drive the play and he's tall and he can win battles and get to the outside. And then you mm-hmm. have Palmieri where if you leave him open, he has the ability to snipe on every shot he takes. And I think him finally coming through for the honors on this contract, which we haven't seen a full year of him, if he could stay healthy, I mean, he is critical. Because, again, you want to see Horvath and Barzal carry the offense, but Nelson shouldn't be the only guy on that line putting goals in the net. That's the question, though, right there. Can we get a healthy season yeah. out of Kyle Palmieri? And now, you know, I'm not saying that like it's his fault. Like, he's not going out there and trying that to get himself hurt. That was a huge hurt. hit by Riley that, that <laughs> he came back definitely way too but early from. And It would be nice to get at least closer to 82 games out of this guy because for all the reasons you just listed, that is going to help the Islanders tremendously defend, defensively and just with more points on the board. And whether that's lining up on the, the, the line we perhaps expect him to be on, on line two or maybe getting a shot on that top line on the left wing with Barzell and, and Horvat, which I'm kind of hoping to see but uh yeah not, a full year out of Paul Mary would be great because you know he, he can be a performer for this team he's proven to be a performer in the playoffs as well and uh I think he's a good pick I think you know he could end up being a real deciding factor in the success of the Islanders this year thank you 
You're welcome. So we'll move on to me now. So I'm moving on to a guy whose name everybody is very familiar with. It's not Ilya Sorokin because that's kind of obvious, right? The the season's always going to rest on his shoulders. But I'm going to go with number 13, Matt Barzell. Uh, he's got. A, he, it seems like he has, but he's definitely got to embrace that role uh, as a wing as opposed to being a center. But not only embrace it, but he's actually got to perform it. And we're finally going to see a full season, it seems, of him being a winger on on, uh, on the side of Bo Horvat. And I think this is this is you know something we need to see. They obviously have to click there. But this is a guy who has been expected to kind of be the offensive leader for this team, and he hasn't established that yet in the sense that you've had a great support group and guys like Brock Nelson and whatnot. And I think, I think him as a winger now next to Bo Horvat, it's time to see if, if, if Matt Barzell can kind of up his game as uh, the forward leader of this team. And, and as Arthur kind of mentioned before, this is a real opportunity for Barzell to up his goal total. And maybe be one of those guys in that like 25, 30 goal range if he's going to be getting fed a couple more pucks coming from Bo Horvat and stuff like that. But I think this is this is the year that Barzell really has to step up and establish himself as that first guy. You know, his first season you had, you know, Tavares was still there and, and whatnot. And, and he obviously, that was his best point producing year. But, you know, let's see him kind of you know, take the ball and run with it. He's he's finally has a, a steady running mate here in Bo Horvat, regardless of who that third guy ends up being. This is a, a top six caliber guy that you hope that Barzell is going to be able to mesh with and he can become that, you know, top guy in this team. So let's finally see him be a leader on the score sheet and uh, hopefully lead this team offensively five on five and on the power play. And again, it's confidence in his shot. Mm. Horvat spoke about it. He's just got to keep shooting. We saw in the preseason so far and in the scrimmages, at Northwell at their practice facility, he has the confidence of the shot. It is a lethal shot when he shoots it. And who really cares who's leading the team in goals on that line, right? Sure. You know, we talked about how much, well, Horvath's got to score 40. Horvath's got to do this and that. No. If the Islanders are winning and Horvath's the playmaker on that line and Barzal's potting 30, it doesn't really matter as well, long as those that. two get it done. If that happens, then all of a sudden we know Matt Barzell can be a key goal, sco- goal scorer on the New York Islanders. Because yeah. he, he, he doesn't have to just be relied upon to be a setup man. I hope his goal numbers go up uh, you know, as a result of this. Does it matter whether it's one guy feeding the other? No, as long as the points come and the wins come. But that would be fantastic. And him playing the wing. You play hockey. I play hockey. A lot of people that watch you <laughs> yes. know, love hockey and play. And him being on the wing changes everything for his ability off the rush. Now, we talked about him playing center. And the center is usually deeper in the defensive zone. But like Arthur mentioned, there's pucks that get bobbled at the blue line. In the past, Barzal's not up there to make that play and get on breakaways. Or yes, now you saw it in the preseason game mm-hmm. against I think it was the Devils, where puck ball at the line. Barzal sort gets on of the breakaway last year too. Yeah. yeah, and that changes everything. One, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to worry about playing as much defense. And two, breakaways, odd man rushes. You get an odd man rush with Barzal, and now he has the confidence to shoot it rather than pass. Because again, defending defenders defending the odd man rush when Barzal has the puck, pretty much knew that he wasn't shooting it, so they just got to defend the pass. Now, if he gets off to a hot start where he is potting those goals, not only does that mean he's probably going to score more, the defense now has to respect the shot, which opens up the backdoor play. Right. And we know that Horvath has the ability to bury that or whoever's on that line. So him playing on the wing and gaining confidence early in that shot changes the dynamic of that line completely. No, agreed. I, I, I actually really like the prospect of what Barzell on the wing could bring here because of that breakaway speed yeah. that he has. And I do think we're going to see a significant amount of breakaways from him because he, he does play good defensively as well, where you yeah. can see him when he pressures the point man, he can strip the puck away, and then he's off to the races. And he has that, that speed too. And now we just got to find out if he can finish. And, and I think he will. One more add too is you're seeing the confidence in the shot because he's not digging on the breakaways. 
He's just mm, shooting. And that right. that means he's confident in his shot because people right. like Deco all the time. He's got they a don't, great shot. They don't trust that shot from the low slot because they think they have a better chance at deking. Mm, right. And again, that's a different thing too. If he starts scoring, the goalie now has to respect the shot, which means if he fakes the shot, now that deke's going to be open where in the past the goalie's expecting the deke. So they're not really, they're not worried about that initial shot. They can try to guess and anticipate where Barzal's going to go. They can't do that if he's scoring from the low slot on the shot. Yeah, I'm excited to see this, uh, you know, Bull Horvat at center, Matt Barzell at the wing experiment, uh, you know, go full-time here in the season. So that's my guy, Matt Barzell. We all know he's a hero on the team already, but I think this is this is the year he's got to step up and, uh, you know, on Bo Horvat's wing and really, you know, prove himself on the offensive side and lead this team. So there you have it, folks. That is the Hero of the Week. Stop on in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location for half off the hockey night in New York. And now... We go to Questions Brewing, my favorite segment of the show. It's time for Questions Brewing. <laughs> so go ahead, ask us a question. So, so go, go ahead, <laughs> ask us a so question. Ed, uh, body by Jake. Jake, not from State Farm. Jake, the steak was Donis. How are we doing, fellas? Uh, we're doing uh, great, actually. How's the chat? Are uh, we active? Do we have questions? We're active. We like that. We are. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, before you guys brought up uh, Bridgeport and yeah. guys down, everyone was talking about who they could see in Bridgeport. A lot of Josh Bailey discussions. Interesting. He gets released from his PTO. Another yeah. thing, too, is Odelius, who said at the start of camp that he was going back to Europe. I spoke to him the other day, and he said, yeah, it's not a guarantee he was going back. Today he was sent back to juniors. Don't think it's a terrible idea. They didn't play him a lot on his team, so hopefully he gets more minutes, but he'll come over after this season. But, yeah, Josh Bailey released from his PTO. One goal and five assists in six games. But yeah, that's, that's rough, huh? Six but, points in six games, and he's still but out. One of the, and he wore an A, but one of the Senators reporters said he just could not keep up the pace, which, again, was an issue on the island. So we wish, obviously, Josh nothing but the best, and hopefully he lands somewhere, and if not, and he doesn't end up retiring... I mean, listen, he got he got shelled for a long time, but he had a great career. He stayed with the Islanders when other people left, so you have to give him credit there. Yeah, I think if uh, he doesn't pursue playing hockey elsewhere, whether that's in another league, AHL, or overseas, I don't think he's looking to up, uplift his life in that way. Yeah. And if he decides to hang up his skates, I would I would think that there would be a job waiting for him oh, somewhere 100%. in the Player Islanders organization. So we'll, we'll see where that all goes. But... One way or another, best of luck to Josh Bailey if indeed this is the end of his uh, hockey playing career. So with that, Ed, throw some questions at us. What do we got? We're starting off with none other than Mr. Tom Boyle. T-Boyle, let's go. Great question. Uh, When is the first viewing party, and will you be at Blue Line this Saturday? Wow. Uh, Lovely question, and that is TBD. We will be doing viewing parties again this season, but we are still working behind the scenes to uh, get the particulars of that sorted out. But definitely stay tuned to our socials. Stay tuned to us here on the show. When we have uh, some viewing party information, we will pass that along. And I will not be at Blue Line this weekend because I will be away. But uh, I can't speak for Stefan. You going to Blue Line, buddy? You going to get a Sammy? I will be at Morning Skate. Mm, um, if job. I do have the time, if <laughs> do my job. <laughs> yeah, if I do fair. have the time, I'd love to that's stop fair. by. I, and now I want to well, buddy, I mean, they're open at 5 a.m., man. So just go in a little early. You know, get up a little early. And- Next question, but I love Blue Line Dough. I mean, <laughs> sandwiches are great. Either way, you should all get over there because Donnie's going to have a lot of things going on, as I talked about at the top of the show. Jersey giveaways, tick giveaways, bagel giveaways, all the good stuff. So stop on over there. Ed, what do you got? Next up from NZAB09. Has the trade for Paul Mary really been a plus for the Islanders? Well, first off, <laughs> in those playoffs after they made the trade, he was pretty good early, obviously. He scored against the Penguins, and he, and he pretty, did pretty well. Yeah, the last couple of years have been pretty tough. Again, we just talked about it with the injuries. But that being mm-hmm. said, 
We saw what he did in the second half, how important he was. I'm not sure the Islanders make the playoffs if he's not healthy in the second half. And then in the playoffs, again, they didn't win the series, but if they had beaten Carolina, you look at that line and said that's the reason why. They were their best line. So I think talking about work in progress. I think you can't judge a contract until it's over. Because if let's say he's not let's say he doesn't do well this year, but the Islanders go on a deep run in the playoffs, who knows they win a cup at the end of the tenure. He was part of the team that won, therefore it is a win. And again, anytime you can move a pick, especially at the deadline, and get back a bona fide NHLer, it's a win win. And again, maybe that prospect turned into something, but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, Palmieri's been a major piece of this team last year in the second half and if he could do it again this year he's going to really help this team yeah i think the the jury's still out yeah. and um yeah if he ends up with with either injury trouble again or if he has a hard time putting pucks in the net because we also have seen he's had some slow first halves to the season yes. when he's been healthy then the dial kind of starts moving towards them maybe it wasn't so great but i think it's still fluttering in the middle somewhere and, and we still got to wait to see what happens good question so next up we go to Trottier19. Hello, Trots. Where did uh, I go? Oh, are you lying to me? <laughs> no, it, it's from him. Oh, no, here it is. Since New York Islanders are, uh, is the home team for the outdoor game in February, do they get all the revenue for that game, or is there a split? If so, what? Do you have any insight on that? Because I don't. I would assume it's a split. I mean, I would think so. Well, I'm sure the, the league gets a large chunk of it. Yeah, and the then... home team should probably get more of it, but I, I don't know. No it's idea about my pay grade. what the dynamic is. And, yeah. It's a lot know. of money, probably. It's an interesting question. <laughs> it is a good question. I just, I probably 5%, know. if anything. Yeah, I don't know. 5% I, more. The answer is we have no flipping clue. They'll get paid millions. Next up from Blackwin. Uh, was hoping for a better preseason showing out of Wally, considering the lack of the roster spots. Do you think this show-me contract could be a detriment for him? As in, he'll maybe trying to do too much. I think... The, look, the onus is on him either way to figure it out. And and it's not really like like Lou Lamarillo is not going into that contract negotiation saying, oh, if I don't get him, give him a, a longer contract, it's going to you know mess with him mentally and he's not going to perform well. Like he hasn't shown enough to this point, whether it's by way of his own play or by the unfortunate luck of the injury last season where he just hasn't shown enough where he deserves a long term stable contract with this team. The good news is for the Islanders is he's still Islander property at the end of this contract and they can decide what they want to do based on the body of work that he shows this season. But look, he's as Stefan has noted, you know, through Twitter and through his his spaces here, Wallstrom is saying all the right things. Yep. He's definitely saying all the right things. He's talking the talk. Now he has to walk the walk. And he has skate to Skate the skate. Skate the skate. I mm-hmm. like that. But he A, he has to be given the opportunity to do so from lane. So he has to get into the lineup. So it's it's like chicken before the egg. He has to earn it. And then he has to, you know, earn the right to stay there. And Lane also has to give it to him. So again, a little tricky for for how the coaching staff is 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 gonna go with that. But but ultimately, like this is Wallstrom's time to shine. He's 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 gotta be able to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like tough love, what it call it, whatever it is, but he's got to figure it out. He's got to believe in himself. He's got to take advantage of the opportunities he does get in the lineup and, and give Lane no reason to take him back out when he gets in there. And, and hopefully he, he not only is of the right state of mind on the ice, but also his body, his knee allows him to do that. Yeah, and I spoke to Wallstrom about why he signed his qualifying offer, why it wasn't a multi-year deal. Mm. And he, he said essentially that it sucked he didn't get a multi-year deal. I thought the Islanders would go that route. God forbid he exploded this year, right, and scores 30 goals or whatever the case may be. They have him locked up short-term, two- to three-year deal. Under and Again, he would ask for more. But outside of that, he said he had no leverage, essentially, and he's not wrong. He had no leverage. The Islanders said, listen, you, maybe you want a path for a career year. You got hurt. So now you really got to prove it. And I think for Wallstrom, he's saying all the right things, like you said. He's got so much confidence. 
But it is a contract year for him. And if he wants to gain the res- respect, not from his teammates or anything, but in the NHL where, hey, I want a contract similar to this guy who did that, he's got to show up this year and he's got to be a guy that's a top six guy. Because like we said before, same thing with Holmstrom. He's not going to prove to be a top six guy. There are too many guys that the Islanders have that play a bottom six role much better. And I think for Wallstrom, that's what it's going to be this year is, you know, 10 goals if he gets in isn't enough. You know, 20 goals at the minimum should be what Wallstrom's doing on a, when he's healthy. And I think, again, he's got to get the chance to do that for sure. But if he doesn't get a chance in the top six and he is playing bottom six, whatever line he's on, he's got to lead the offensive rushes there. From the Islanders' perspective, this is the perfect contract to give Oliver yep. Wallstrom because they want that problem at the end of this year. Yeah. They want him to score 35 goals this year so they can be like, all right, let's talk Let's talk seven figures now. Yeah. Let's talk some money now. Like, like, yeah, I mean, is that going to affect their cap and, and you know, worrying Cap's about the rest up. of the line? Of course. The cap is going up as well but like the islanders are basically saying give us a reason to pay you give us a reason to give you four or five six years whatever it is and and throw you know a few million into that you know now is his chance and you know we'll we'll find out at the end of the season whether they're giving him another you know short you know term extension or a little money or if they try to put him in a deal and saying that hey this guy needs a, a change of scenery and it's not working out here that could happen too but but this is like this is on Wallstrom now. He's yeah. a big boy now. He's been with the franchise for a couple of years. Like, get out there, show your worth, your hype, and all that kind of stuff. Start scoring some goals and and make it happen. Because there, as we've named, there are plenty of guys on this team that can slot in and fill a role where he can be the outside man looking in. So it's now it's time to shine. Yeah, he needs to be a threat. Yep. There you go. Next up from Rectify Gaming, he asks, "Hey, what's the confidence level level with Bullduck? Does he impress during the preseason?" I think it was very underwhelming. We talked about it before, but I think the Islanders organization wanted to see Bull Duke win the job from Ajo and make it not even close. And you could argue that Ajo wasn't great, but at the same time, Ajo has the experience. I think Ajo was your second best defenseman in the playoffs last year. I think last year by far was Ajo's best season as an NHLer. And he brings more stability. And Boldu just, he's making those rookie mistakes. Again, he was a rookie, but he's making them in preseason. He doesn't seem to have the awareness and the timing is all off. And I don't think you could trust him right now. Now, again, practicing and making the team one obviously will help his confidence, but practicing every day is huge. But yeah, he, he had the chance to really win an, win an opportunity here and, and start the season as the go-to guy. And if it struggled, then go back to Ajo like we saw last year with Salo. Salo won the job and then it didn't work out. But unfortunately, Boldu just did not do enough in anyone's eyes to win that job. I mean, we're assuming so. We, we'll see what the lineup's like on Saturday, right. but unless Bullduke has some amazing week, I can't see him winning this <laughs> yeah, spot. Yeah, unless he has some great practices. If he's shutting down week. the Horvath and Barzal left and right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's just another guy who, who needs to grow, and, and it's been noted all over the hockey world, the hockey space, is that defensemen yeah. sometimes take a little longer to develop, and you know their curve are, you know, are going to be a little different than forwards. I think that they're still... They still have high expectations for oh, him. For sure. I think that they still, th- you know, see him as a guy who's eventually going to wrestle a spot away on this team. It just might not be there yet. And uh, we talked about it too. Is COVID affected a lot? He was part of that COVID where mm, they lost out on sure. the season, and he was yeah. hurt the year before. So, right, he development wise, it, it took a hit for him, and yeah. he might be a little more delayed than we expect. But that's yeah. a second rounder that the Islanders really need to see the hit Islanders, because they need help on that. They're on the almost end. lucky that Aho kind of did have a, yeah. a coming out party last season if to, not, to give him a little more time to develop, you know? If not, the Islanders probably needed to go and get a defenseman this yeah. summer. and yeah, Some would probably still longer they did still need yeah, to get that's, somebody. Yes, but that's true. That's neither here nor there. Ed, what do you got next? Uh, Mel Armenia, 22. What's up, Mel? Welcome back. By the way, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Is Lambert fired if the Isles missed the playoffs? And I feel like we had a... Similar answer with yeah. Andrew Gross last week. I don't know if Mel probably wasn't there. 
we but he it, said he was somewhere somewhere along the lines of well, I, he's I'll, on a tight leash. I'll say yeah. this. I mean, if they get off to a bad start and the same thing. they're not even yeah. in contention yeah. a quarter of the way into the season, it's over. You might see him get in the boot even sooner. Uh this is a team that has to win now. And and Lane Lambert, you know, is I'm he's not on the hot seat at least yet, but like you know, there's at least a couple of flames under the, you know, on the burner there, just in case, because you know this is a team who, if they don't, if they don't come out of, that, out of the gate here, Lou might be like, all right, I got to cut the cord to, you know, try to right the ship because a, a lost season is not going to be acceptable for this team. Well, I think also too, you have to look at it as, is again, we've seen that the Islanders uh, ownership doesn't want to get rid of Lou, but if Lambert's going and they miss the playoffs, I think Lou's going. So I think Lou has a lot to, not a lot to lose in terms of. His career, but if Lambert gets off to a bad start early and it's like first five, six, seven games, and the honors don't have a win, you know, Lou's not going to sit there and be like, oh, Lambert, I'll give you more time because time mm-hmm. is ticking on Lou, whether it's this year, or next year, the year after, and he's not going to go down without a fight. I agree. If it gets that, if, if they get to the end of the season, he's still the coach and they don't make the playoffs, I, I do see Lambert getting fired. Um, Lou, I'm not so sure yeah. about. But uh, but I definitely think that that Lambert has to have a, a at least a playoff successful season. And they, again, we talked about the reasons why they should make it coming out flat. Whether it's on the uh, the leadership mm-hmm. group in the room, that's going to come Power back play. to Lane, and that and that you know that can't happen anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Joey Pickles, I just want to touch again on basically what now for Josh Bailey. So what do you guys see personally for him? So we know for a fact because he said it. He said it at these exit interviews last year. I saw him over the summer at Matt Martin's camp. Is he's not. He's not. He wants to retire, and well, when he ever does retire, he want, He's going to stay on Long Island. He loves it here. His, all of his friends are here. They're his yeah, kids, family kids. His yeah. kids though are also close with Martin's kids and Sezikis is not Martin, not Martin's kids, but Sezikis' kids, Clutter's mm-hmm. kids. You know, this is a really tight knit group, and I do think when he does retire, whenever it may be, he'll work with the Islanders if he does want to work in hockey or development things like that. But as for what's next, I can't see him going overseas for the family aspect. I know he, you know, Ottawa was close enough where he, his family wouldn't have to move. I, but right now it's, you know, he's a free agent now. So yeah. he's only going to go to a place that makes sense for his family. And if it, it is nowhere close by, yeah, I could see him retiring, but that's ultimately up to him. And we really shouldn't be, you know, we can't say what he's going to do. Yeah, he might just be a dad for a little while. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I know his kids are starting travel too. And yeah, <laughs> as people who have, have parents who did travel, or you're a kid that did travel, that is a lot of time on the road, a lot of weekends. And that's good bonding too. There you go. Ed, yeah. what's next? Uh, we got another one from Mr. Tom Boyle. Okay. Is Pat Joe capable of scoring 20 goals? Oh, for sure. I think capable is certainly a word I would agree with. But again, you don't you know you would love Pajot if you're an Islander fan to see him score twenty, but at the same time he has Lee on his wing and whatever you want to say about Lee and his skating went down. Lee scored twenty eight goals last year. He's good for twenty five goals a year. And Pajot really hasn't had you know, Parise was a weapon offensively last year, but wasn't the year before that. Mm-hmm. The fastings on that line maybe he comes through more, but Pajot let's not even go with goals. Caraco, he had a career high in assists last year. Mm. You know, if Lee still is able to find the back of the net sure. and they have a guy like Fashion who does bring offense or Walsh is on that line, forget the goals for Pajot. Let him be an assistman and play that sound defensive hockey, which is his bread and butter is winning those faceoffs and doing the other things. That way his line can be more offensive if need be. Anything else, Ed? That was uh, pretty much the last one. That'll do it for questions brewing. So before we wrap, we're, we're introducing a new concept to the show here. We're going to see how this goes, but... We, uh, we're yes. inviting you, the listeners, the viewers, the fans, for a fan rant 
of the month. We are going to basically invite you to send us a, a video, a clip of yourself under a minute long. We're going to give you the topic each month. This month is what are your expectations for the season and tell us why. And you can DM, DM us at Hockey Night NY. You can send us your videos there. And we will choose the best one for the show at the end of the month. And we will play it during the show. And if this uh, takes off and you guys are into it, we'll do it every month. And uh, we'll see what you guys got to say. So why don't you uh, get your phones out? No cursing. No, yeah, yeah. And if you're just, you know, going to bash the guys and say this guy sucks and this guy's worthless. So those, those videos probably aren't going to make it. We're looking for <laughs> constructive. It doesn't mean, you know, you, you can't have your opinions about yeah, how critical. players. Yeah, yeah. You could be critical. You know, we'll probably have a, a fan rant one month saying who's pulling their weight or who's not or whatever. We'll get there. But, you know, if you're just going to basically be slinging garbage, I mean, you're wasting your own time. And <laughs> garbage. Not, that, that, that video is not going to get chosen. But we do want to get some, uh, some feedback from you guys. So fan rant of the month. Send us your videos again at Hockey Night NY. Send us a DM there, and uh, we will pick the best one, and we'll play it the last week of October. So that is a little invitation for you. And with that... We are going to get on out of here. So big thanks to Mr. Arthur Staple back covering the New York Islanders for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter if you're not already at Stape Athletic. A big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu and order ahead at BlueLineDeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at MainSTBoardGameCafe.com. And a big thanks to new sponsor Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. Nobody likes going to court. But when you have to, they are the best attorneys in the land here in New York. Remember, you can call them for a free consultation at 516-742-7600. They are ready to fight for you. And, of course, a big thanks to Floyd Media here in Rockville Center. And, folks, maybe this is your first show. Maybe you're just tuning in for the first time. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Show us some love or show us some hate if you don't like what we're doing. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we can improve. And, uh, you know, tell your friends, spread the word. You can follow us at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. Stefan, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Stefan underscore Rosner. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore Rosner. Islanders Hockey News and NHL.com. You can follow myself on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. <laughs> at Shawnee Hockey at S-E-A-N-Y Hockey. So for Stefan Rosner, for Ed and Jake, for... Floored Media. For myself, I've been Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have a great rest of your Sunday night. Enjoy opening night on Saturday. We will see you next week.